This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Hey, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you guys again. If you haven't seen my wife, honey, why don't you stand up? She's the most beautiful woman in the world. She travels with me full-time now, which is awesome. Um, hey, can we turn the lights up just a little bit? Is that okay? I just like to see smiling faces. Are you all smiling? See, if the lights go up, then I can see if who's sleeping and who's not sleeping. Um, we've had a great time so far. We met with the worship team last night and uh, just had a wonderful time. Um, yeah, that's okay. That's good. Now I can see people. That's good. If I take my glass off, I can't see you anyways. Um, last year, we made a crucial change, actually, to our ministry. We used to be called Speak Life Canada, and we found ourselves not much in Canada. And so uh, we changed it to, to be Speak Life Global, and we did that for a reason, because we felt like the Lord say to us that this was a new season for us to step into in terms of training, equipping, um, and really selecting nations, like really targeting specific nations, going into those nations and developing a prophetic culture and training people in the prophetic. And then our ultimate goal is to release prophets into nations. And so um, we're, we're in the strategic time where we're really making a lot of adjustments. We're going to uh, hopefully in the next couple of years start an internship uh, where we can take people with us, we'll train them for a few weeks, and then take them over to the nations of the world and just release them as prophet, prophetic people into, into the nations. So we're, we're working some of those details out. But to give you an idea, as Pastor Cameron said, you guys have supported us right from the beginning. Uh, it, you know, it makes a difference in what we're trying to do. Last year, or actually, like since January of last year to now, we trained 6,557 people in the prophetic. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's pretty awesome, I think. And uh, last year alone, we saw 267 people give their hearts to Jesus. And uh, already this year, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for that. Amen. And this year, we've seen 20 people come to know the, uh, to the Lord. So, you know, God's just doing some amazing things. Uh, last year, we went to 46 churches, and we went to 12 nations last year, and I had three months off because I had a heart attack. And so, I don't know if you guys remember this, I know you were praying for me, but on, on September 17th, I was in Taiwan, my wife had just left on the Sunday, and then on the Tuesday, I had a heart attack, and I uh, wouldn't recommend that, it's not a fun experience, um, but, you know, God is so good. He's so faithful. He just knows how to work all the details of your life out, you know. Um, I was ministering. Uh, so I, I, was, I was in this, uh, these two large churches, actually three large churches. I administered, had a lot of meetings, and I was with this one particular church. And they have, uh, in, in different nations, they have different ways of handling the prophetic. And so I would have these one-on-one -on -one meetings with people, and they would set them up throughout the day. And I just, they'd come in. I'd minister prophetically to them, and off they go. They're mostly are all leaders. They're not necessarily just people who would 
just random people walking off the street. Usually it's their leaders. And so the first group I ministered, first couple I ministered to, he was an emergency room doctor and she was a nurse. And so I minister to them, and they leave, and the next couple comes in. I minister to them, and I feel like, oh, I got some heartburn. And I thought, oh, it's maybe it's just the spicy food I'm eating or something. I was eating these palm olive, uh, no, not palm olive, that's a soap. Anyways, uh, uh, they're like a grapefruit, and I really enjoyed them. They're not as uh, acidy as grapefruit, but I thought maybe that's what's creating it. So I said to my interpreter, I said, give me a few minutes. I just feel like I've got a bit of heartburn. I said, give me a glass of milk, took a glass of milk, and they kind of, it settled for a second, and I thought, you know, I'm still not feeling 100%, need to go to the bathroom, and, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, my heart started hurting. And so um, I kind of sl- uh, ministered to this next couple. I started prophesying about the heart, and then I said, okay, we're done. And I just kind of sat down, and I said, I, I think I need to go back to my hotel. And um, one of the pastors was very in tune, and she said, I don't think this is heartburn. I'm calling that doctor, and he was just leaving the building. Now, this man had literally taken a bullet train an hour and a half. So basically, he was about three or four hours away. He had taken a bullet train just to have the meeting with me, him and his wife. So he came back in. It was his day off. Came back in, asked a couple of questions, and said, you're having an angina attack. I said, what's that? He goes, you're having a heart attack. And I said, oh, um, okay. And he said, we need to go. And so literally, I was three minutes from the best cardiac hospital in the country. So they drove me right in, and uh, the, the, the uh, emergency room doctor on call, this particular doctor who spoke fluent English, was his best friend. They were friends. And so they literally put me on an ECG, and I was, they had confirmed that I'd had a heart attack, and I was still in a heart attack. And so... Uh, they gave me a mitful of uh, things to take and then started hooking things up. And that was about 1 o'clock on Tuesday, which was 1 o'clock in the morning uh, here. And so I called my wife. I said, hey, I uh, don't want to alarm you, uh, but I'm in the hospital and I have a heart, I've had a heart attack. And so we kind of worked through the emotion of that. And honestly, I didn't know if, like, for about 26 hours, I didn't know if I was going to live or die, to be honest with you, because I was just in so much pain. And, um, you know, God is so good, right? You know, you went, when you're in the midst of a struggle, you're in the midst of a, uh, a moment, um, you have to rely on what you know and who you know. And I remember I was laying in the bed and uh, just kind of wondering, God, like, what are you doing here? And all of these things started coming back to my memory. Scriptures came back to my memory. Um, prophecies that like little phrases in prophecies that I'd heard maybe five years ago, a phrase would come up and the Lord would just kind of remind me, okay, you're going to do this for a long, long time. Like, I'm not finished with you. And so I remember sitting in the bed saying, okay, devil, you've picked the wrong guy. I'm going after you now. I'm going to pray for healing. And so today after the message, we're going to pray for those who need healing in any form, any shape in your body. We're already seeing miracles take place. And so I just, I'm committed to praying for uh, people who are struggling with sicknesses and any disease or whatever it is. And, and um, you know, God is so good. So the next morning I wake up and my heart is just kind of coming out of my chest. And so I'm ringing the bell. And, uh, you know, they don't speak English. They're, you know, they're, they speak Chinese. And so I'm like, 
my heart is hurting. And, uh, and then so they, you know, they said, you know, Mr. Hayes, all your signs are okay, but um, we'll just give you some more nitro. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's crazy, crazy time. The, your, they did this test on me called the enzyme level, and your enzyme level, I think, is supposed to be 25. And the first test they did, it was 40. Then it went to 178. Then it went to 380. And so they say, really, it can go up into the thousands. And so the biggest concern was, it, you know, what's damaged my heart, if my heart has been damaged. And uh, so anyways, they, um, you know, one of the pastors came, his wife came, and she said, Pastor Gary, she said, um, uh, I just... I just felt like this morning the Lord told me to invite somebody. Can, can he come in? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm in this CCU. I'm in, you know, cardiac care unit. I said, yeah, bring him in. And so this guy comes in, and he goes, you know, Pastor Gary, he said, two years ago you prophesied over my life, and it changed my course. It changed the direction of my life. And then he looked at me, and he said, last year I had a heart attack just like you. And he said, I want you to know right now you might be feeling afraid, but you're going to get out of this bed. And you're going to walk and you're going to do the ministry that God's called you to do. Because you touch my life, you're going to touch others. And he, gave me, he just began to prophesy into my spirit. And, uh, and then the doctor came in and we were waiting. Sheila was, you know, about to fly over the next morning. Actually, it was 11 o'clock my time, but 11 o'clock in the evening. And so I texted her and said, hey, my enzyme levels have kind of come in line. Um, but they're going to do an operation. And so then she flew. <laughs> uh, so she didn't have a good sleep on the plane. Um, and so that afternoon, the doctor came and said, hey, we need, to, we need to operate. And so I said, okay. And I said, when? He goes, 20 minutes. And so they did, they did a couple of tests on me. You know it's bad when people who don't speak English are whispering. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand your saying. You can talk loud. Like, you know, just as I'm laying there doing, they're doing an echocardiogram and they're checking my heart. That's when they're all whispering behind me. This lady looks at me. She's standing in front of me and she looks at me. And she grabs my hand and she goes, God bless you. God bless you. Like, she didn't tell me she was a believer, but I knew she was a believer praying for me in that moment, right? And so within 20 minutes, they wheeled me in. They put a, a, a hole right here. And then I watched him operate on my heart. That was a freaky thing. And so they found that I have three blocked arteries. One was 99%. That's where I had my heart attack. The other one is 50 and 70. And so they got me through that. I felt, feel really good. I've lost lots of weight, 27 pounds. I need to lose some more. And, uh, you know, God has been good. You know, my cardiologist, I now have a cardiologist. Um, and uh, we're on, on a first-name basis now, and uh, he told me, uh, he said, look, you're free to travel. It's all good. Uh, we'll, we'll check you in a year, and so I got to do another test in another year, and uh, we just trust the Lord that God is healing us. Amen? My wife and I, every day, we take communion together, and uh, we just believe in the body and the blood of Jesus that he's, he, he's our healer. Amen? Amen. So uh, I just want to say thank you as a church for praying and supporting us. Uh, you know, even in that three months off, God was so faithful to help us. Uh, listen, this morning I want to talk to you a little bit, if I could, just about clarity for the times. How many know 2020 is the year of vision, really? It can be the year of God shaping and forming us as a church and as a people. 
Uh, how many here have 2020 vision? A few of you. Well, we'll pray for you later. Okay, thank you very much. I used to have 2020 vision. You know, when I was born, a couple uh, months after I was born, I developed this rare disease. I, I, I think it was called Ricketts disease or Ritter's disease. One of those two. I always get those mixed up. Um, and what happened was I, I contracted all these boils on my body, and then literally you'd touch them, and they just this, the water would run, and then they'd form boils on my body. Again, it was 48 hours. My mom said I cried completely for 48 hours. So they took me to the hospital, and uh, a doctor from Africa walked through the building, and he looked at me, and he said, I know what this boy has. And so he diagnosed me, and he diagnosed me, and he said, this is the worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is this young man, little boy, is going to die. Uh, the, the next case scenario is he's going to be, um, he's going to have developmental issues all his life. He's going to be uh, mentally retarded. That's what he basically said. I know you, back in the day, they don't, they don't use that term anymore, mentally handicapped. And, and he said, best-case scenario, this boy will be blind. And my parents were Catholics, you know. They didn't really know God in terms of how we would know God at this point and knowing Jesus. But they went to the chapel that afternoon and they prayed and they said, God, if you're real, you know, touch our boy. Within the next hour, my whole condition changed. And uh, for years, literally for 50 years, I had the best eyes in my family. I probably still have the best eyes in my family, but... Um, <laughs> It was only, I had 20-20 vision. It was only when I turned 50 that I was doing this, watching TV. And so now these are just for distance. I can read and all that kind of stuff. But, but listen, there's something about having clarity of vision in your heart. Knowing where you're going. Knowing what God wants to do as a people, as a church, and as an individual. How many know you need clarity? Would you say Clarity. Now listen, let me give you a definition of what clarity is. I always like definitions. It means this, clearness as to perception and understanding. In other words, God wants to give you the ability to perceive in such a way that you have a clear understanding of the times. And then this next, ver next definition says, freedom from indistinctness. In other words, lacking distinguishing qualities, non-distinctive. In other words, when we have clarity, there's a distinction about us. We're different. We're not like everybody else. We're set apart. Would you say set apart? And then the third part is the state or quality of having clear vision or transparency to the eye or transparent to the eye. In other words, when you see things, you see it clearly. Like, honestly, if I took my glasses off, really, you're just, you're beautiful, but you're blurry. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But when I, woo, there's some beautiful people out there. Smile at me. See, there's some beautiful smiles right there. I can see clearly now. And so God wants to do something in our hearts where there's a clarity. In 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, it says this. The sons of Iskar, who had an understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. In other words, there's something that God wants to put in every one of us, an ability to understand what's going on. To understand the times, to understand the climate, to understand what's going on in our life at any given moment. 
Daniel 1 verse 20 says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Listen, God's looking for a people who will operate from a place of revelation and understanding. You need, you and I, listen, we need revelation. Say revelation. I believe that's what's going to distinguish the church in the days that are coming. Listen, I'm not a big end times guy. I, I'm not, you know, looking under every rock and trying to figure out who's the next Antichrist and all that kind of stuff. But I want you to know something. Jesus and Paul said, we're in the last days. And that's 2,000 years before. So the last days are further along, right? So we're in the last days. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's going to be another 40 years or 50 years. I'm believing for another 40 years, at least 50 years. Amen. And just believe God to take us into some new things. And I want to see, i got a grandson. His name is Ethan. He is awesome. He just turned eight months. He, he comes up every day and we play together. It's awesome when I'm home. And I want to see him excel. I want to see him involved in ministry. So I'm not believing that Jesus is coming tomorrow. But listen, we're in the last days. And we're in days that require every one of us to operate from a place of revelation. Listen, when revelation becomes personal, it becomes powerful in your life. Every one of you need a revelation. You need to see things as God sees them, a people who hear from God and live according to biblical revelation rather than just the opinions of men. Listen, the, what, what's happening in the world doesn't freak me out. To, uh, in, a, in a couple weeks, I'm going back to Asia. I'm going into nations where the coronavirus is. That's not going to scare me. I, I know who is my Redeemer and my salvation. Amen? Come on. We can't let, let stuff going on. I, last week I was in a Chinese church ministering to Chinese people. The week before, I was in Taiwan. No, no, no. I was in a Chinese church in Toronto. Sorry. Okay. That's why my wife is here. We're clearing things. Clarity. I wasn't in China, folks. Okay. <laughs> Listen, some things can't be perceived without revelation and insight from God. Some things just can't be perceived without a revelation and insight from God. Some of us, we're struggling with things. We're walking through difficulties. We're walking through troubled, troubled times. And you're trying to figure it out in your own natural understanding, but you need clarity from the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to bring into your, awaken your perception, open your eyes so that you can begin to see into the Spirit what is going on. You see, building your life uh, uh, comes from revelation. It comes from revelation. And when that revelation, like I said a minute ago, becomes personal, it impacts your life for change. None of the changes that ever happened in my life have been because I was smart. I'm just telling you. The impact of change on my life has been revelation. When God brought clarity in my spirit, when God opened up understanding in my heart. The Bible says, we read it a minute ago, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though that's not their 
their, their Hebrew names, we know them as that because they were the guys that were thrown into the fire. The Bible says when the king tested them, when he examined them, after three and a half years of training and impartation and, and trying to get them to live and think the way he did, when he trained them because they lived on a different level of revelation, when he trained them and he looked at them and examined them, he said they're ten times better than anybody else. Come on, is there anybody here ten times better than anybody else? Listen, the mark of the church should be that when we walk into the marketplace, we're ten times better than anybody else. We don't tell them that, but we live in that realm. We live in that understanding that when we walk in, we have answers to, to problems. We have answers to solution, the, the solutions to the problems. That we actually walk in peace in the midst of storms. That we don't, we're not affected by what the world has to say. Revelation is never powerful until it's personal. Listen, Matthew chapter six, uh, 16. I'm not going to turn there, but just remember this. Remember Jesus said to his disciples, he goes, who do you say that I am? And they say, well, uh, who do men say? And he goes, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're, you know, Elisha the prophet. And then he goes, who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up, right? And Peter goes, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my Father, which is in heaven, and upon this rock. Now, contrary to Catholic dogma, Peter is not the rock. The rock is revelation. It's the revelation that Peter received. And so Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And watch this, listen. When you have revelation that is personal to you, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So your issue whatever that may be, my issues, whatever they may be, when I get a revelation that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think, when that gets into my heart, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So let me give an example. I was a young man in Bible college. I was in my last semester of Bible college. I don't know if I shared this story before, but I was the last. I, I needed $1,850. Now, I, I was just learning how to serve God. I was learning how to, you know, call him Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I mean, I was, I was you know, I was not a, uh, let's say I was not a financial wizard. I didn't handle my money right. I needed $1,850. I'd never seen God as my provider. I'd never seen him as the Lord Jehovah Jireh. And so I, I remember one day I was, I was at a church, and I was in, actually in Hamilton at People's Church in Hamilton. I was there for an internship, and I'm praying at the altar one day, and the Lord spoke to me three things. I was praying over three things. The first one was, should I take a job in Tilsonburg? That's where I met my, work, my wife. And then the second was, I was dating a girl, I was engaged to her, and I wanted to break it off, but I didn't have the courage to. God, what did you want me to do? And the third was, should I go back to Bible college because I don't have $1,850? And the Lord spoke to me and said, take the job, let go of the girl, and I will provide. And so the, I, I was like, okay, I had this revelation in my heart. God had spoken. And then 
the next week I was at the church. On Saturday night, I go home, and Sunday, I'm driving back up to Bible college. Saturday night, my mom and dad are talking to me. They said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'm going to go out to Bible college. I'm going to open my mailbox, and there's going to be money in it. If there's no money in it, uh, then I didn't hear from God, and I'm just going to pack up, and I'll come home. My, my mom walked out of the room, and she came back in with an envelope with $1,850 cash. And she said, Gary, on Monday morning, every morning, every, every day that week, people called and said, this morning God spoke to me that I'm to give Gary money for Bible college. And by the end of the week, by the time I got home on Saturday, I had $1,850 cash. And I broke up with the girl and I met her. And life is good. This year we celebrate 35 years. Now listen, now listen. That revelation of God being my provider, has never left me. In 2012, I left a paid full-time position, making good money. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to rest. My wife said, what are you going to do? I said, God's going to provide. And folks, every month, every amount of money that we needed, I needed to make to to look after our home, every month, God provided. And I didn't have a full-time job for two years. Why? Because I've lived off this revelation. The revelation is that I am, if I'm obedient and I serve and I give my tithes to the Lord, that I can rebuke the devourer on my behalf and I can live in faith and believe that God will be my supply. He is Jehovah Jireh. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, what revelation do you need? What clarity do you need to have in your spirit? Where is the issue that you're struggling with right now? I'm going to tell you, the issue isn't the issue. The issue is you need revelation. The struggle is not the struggle. The struggle is the revelation. Calling out to God. Getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit. See, every revelation you receive, listen, say it with me. The gates of hell will not prevail. Come on, the gates of hell will not prevail. Right revelation and perception will bring healing to your life. The right revelation, the right perception. See, God wants the church to begin to show that it's not like the world, but it's distinct and unique. People, I found this, are looking for the real thing, aren't they? Like, when I go over to Asia, I mean, we spend about eight months of our life in Asia now, and, and uh, when we go to Asia, I always have to say to people, hi, my name's Gary, I'm not a fortune teller. Because they just have this concept of, uh, of, of what I do. And so I come in, and I just start sharing, and it's amazing, the unbelievers who all of a sudden you begin to tweak them with the Spirit of God, and they realize the real thing. Now, I'm not a big chick flick guy, but there's a movie that my wife and I like to watch. It's called What a Girl Wants. Does anybody know what that movie is? You know, What a Girl Wants? And, um, you know, uh, this, it's a story of a young girl whose father and mother, they, they, they separated. He was a royalist, royal person, and she was kind of like a New York uh, artist. They separate, 
but they have this little girl. She's never met her father. She wants to go meet her father, and, um, and then he, he wants her to, like, she's this kind of, you know, American, and then he wants to get her into the royal circles. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Okay. It's a good movie. You should watch it. And anyways, um, and this is what the guy says. So there's guy that likes her, right? And so she's now, you know, she's trying to be prim and proper, and, and he met her before that. He met her as this kind of wild American young girl, and, and he makes this statement. I love this statement. He goes, why are you trying to fit in? When you were destined to stand out. You see, people who have clarity and vision and revelation, you're not here to fit in. You're here to stand out. Come on, you're here to be different. Come on, come on, say that. You're here to be different. Listen to what this, listen. God promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation. And listen, you and I are part of that great nation. What's what the scripture says in Genesis 12 too? It says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now listen, would you say this? Greatness is in the room. Because God's called you and I to be great. Now when we talk about that, most people go, no, I don't want to be great. You know, that's kind of too heady. Listen, Jesus did not say you can't be great. He just defined greatness differently. He said, if you're going to be great, you've got to be a servant to all. So if, you're, if you want to be great, how many want to be great? Be a servant. Find ways to serve. Just as pastor said this morning, there's areas to serve in. Become great at serving. That's how Jesus defined greatness. But listen, listen what greatness means. It means the ability, quality, importance to be considerably above normal or above average. Hey, I'm, I'm above average. Anybody else above average? See, you don't want to say that. You're above average. But listen, God wants to change your thinking. He wants to give you a revelation of what greatness really is. The Bible says, David said this, your gentleness has made me great. Jesus did not deny that we can be great. He just defined it in a different way. So God calls everyone in this room to be great. Distinguish yourself. People who are skilled in particular areas, areas making a difference in the lives of others in their spirit, sphere of relationship. You see, every one of us in this room have been given the same opportunities. It's what you do with that opportunity that determines your greatness. It, it's what you do with what God has called you. You see, your potential is God's gift to you. What you do with it is, is what you give back to God. Did you hear that? Your ability to manage life and what comes at you will determine the greatness of your life. You see, Daniel, I love Daniel's story because Daniel could have, he could have just decided, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. I'm in the I'm in a pretty cra crazy, chaotic world. I've been taken from my world. But the Bible says Daniel decided, he purposed in his heart, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to uh, just kind of fit in. I'm going to stand out. Come on, God wants us to stand out. People of vision, people of revelation, they stand out. Because they're going somewhere. Come on, where are you going this morning? So chalet? Boston Pizza? Come on, where are you going? What, 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 do you want to, what do you want God to do with your life? Clarity. 
clarity. Don't, listen, let's not squander what God has given us so much of. You see, God desires that we be intentional in all that we do. He encourages us to do specific things that will release His power in our lives. One last scripture is Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says this, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Another version says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. You see, vision is is this idea or clarity is the ability to gaze at something mentally with this sense of anticipation. I want you to do something. I, I do this all over the world, and uh, most people say, well, I don't have vision. I'm not a visionary. I, I can't see anything. But I want you to do this. I want everybody to close your eyes just for a moment. Just close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Now, I want you to see yourself standing at your front door of where you live. So if it's a house or apartment. And what I want you to do is I want you to see yourself going in your house. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to count all the doors in your house. Just go from floor to floor. Once you've counted them, just put up your hand. Okay, keep your hands up. Now look around. Look, everybody's got their hands up, right? Okay, how many doors do you have in your house? Three. Small house. Okay, yes. Thirteen. Bigger house. Okay. Yes. Thirteen. Nine. Seven. Ten. Eight. Seven. How many do we have? She was counting closet doors. It does. So you got to count all the doors. So all of you, look at, all of you can see with your eyes. Listen, vision is the ability. Watch this. It's the act or power of sensing with your eyes the power of anticipation or expectation. You see, Clarity is not just naturally seeing, it's supernaturally seeing. And so God wants to open our eyes. He wants us to give us the ability to see. Vision is the ability to see into the future, to having foresight into a thing which is attainable. If I don't change my perspective, if I don't change the way I'm looking at things, I'll never discover the reality of the kingdom of God and what he wants to do through my life. I really believe this. What I perceive, I can conceive. And when I can conceive it, it will be manifested in my life. Is that not faith, folks? When you actually begin to believe something, you're actually seeing it before it actually happens. So I'm seeing things now that have yet to manifest, but they're already in my spirit. That's what vision is. That's what faith is. What are you holding on to? What are you believing for? Pastor Sandra mentioned earlier, she mentioned about some who are struggling. Maybe you're believing promises that haven't yet come to pass. I'm here to tell you, listen, God can bring those to pass. But you got to believe them. you got to see them. You see, people ask me, they say, Gary, did you ever believe that you would travel the world? Actually, I did. I didn't know I was going to spend most of my time in Asia. 
But I did believe it. I've always believed that that was part of my destiny. I've always believed that I would travel the world. I, I've always, ask my wife, I've always believed it. I've always had it in my heart. Now, like we literally, we'll get in, we'll land on a plane. We'll land into a country or we'll come back home. And we, I just look at her and I go, can you believe we're doing this? This is awesome. Listen, what you perceive, you can conceive. And what you conceive, it can be manifested. So what are you perceiving? Just as you closed your eyes, you looked at your house, you were able to see all your house. You see, we just, it's just uh, so natural to us, but it's actually a spiritual principle. Is that if you'll pray, the Bible says this, that Habakkuk actually, he stood on his watch post and he said, I will wait to see what the Lord will say. I will wait to see what the Lord will say. And actually, Habakkuk was, in his own spirit, was looking for God to show him some things and to speak to him. Church, God wants to bring clarity to our spirit. And he wants to bring revelation to our heart. And my challenge to you this morning is this, that if you will press in and ask God for revelation, that that revelation will be a conception in your heart that will begin to manifest eventually in your life. And God wants to do that. He wants to give you clarity. How many would agree with me this morning and say, Gary, I need more clarity in my heart. There's some things that I just need you to open up, God. I want you to see. I want you to just kind of, uh, you know, develop in my, in my soul. Let me, let me give you what I call five I instructions, okay? Five ones and then we'll finish. I got a few more minutes. Okay. Uh, lift up your eyes, the Bible says. So first instruction, you got to lift up your eyes. You know, when I was a young man, I used to walk like this all the time. That's how I used to walk. You know, nowadays people are on their phones like that, right? You know, it, it, it infuriates me sometimes. I'm walking through the airport and like someone's just doing this. Like, look up, you know. Listen, you got to lift your eyes sometimes. You got to get your eyes off of what you're focusing on. Lift your eyes up to Jesus. The Bible says this in Genesis 13. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. In other words, sometimes you got to look from the place you're at. You just got to say, God, I'm, I'm going to lift my eyes. The Bible says in Psalm 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence comes my help? From where comes my help? Come on, would you say lift up your eyes? Number two is you got to guard your eyes. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 101. It says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not cling to it, shall not cling to me. Job 31 verse 1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. And so you've got to guard what you see in your spirit. You've got, you've got to begin to visualize the right things because if you don't, you'll see the wrong things. Helen Keller said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Listen, you don't need your natural eyes in order to see vision. You need your spiritual eyes. But you got to guard them. you got to guard what you're watching. you got to guard what you're looking at. Number three is turn your eyes. The Bible says in Psalm 119, Turn my eyes from worthless things, preserving, preserve my life according to your word. 
this idea of the, the, the worthless means, it's just empty things, things of no value, things that are just, like, they're just waste of time. What he's saying is literally you've got to literally turn your eyes away from things. You know, I get invitations now all over the world. I, I get them from Brazil, all down in South America, Africa, uh, in Europe. I mean, I'm getting invitations all over the world, and I've had to say no. Even though I want to go to those countries. And the reason I've said that is because my eyes are right now on Asia. And, and I feel like God's saying, this is where your clarity is. This is where your vision is at this point. You've got to stay there. And so you've got to turn your eyes from things that would, even some of them would be actually good things. But church, you've got to turn your eyes. Come on, say, turn my eyes. Here's another one, two more. Open your eyes. Psalm 119, verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. And so there's this, the reason I did the little illustration, I hope you learned something there, is because in the natural, you're always focused on what's ahead of you. But if you can, if you can understand that supernaturally, when I close my eye, my natural eyes, I can actually open up the eyes of my understanding, the, the, the eyes of my spirit, and I can begin to see things, and I can begin to dream, and I can begin to believe that, hey, there's things that God wants to show, it, show me in a greater measure, and as I lock into them, all of a sudden, my eyes will be open, my spiritual eyes will be open, and I begin to pray into that, all of a sudden, things begin to happen. A few years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, prepare your heart for the UK and, the whale, and Wales. Now, I, um, I'm originally from England. I was born in England. And I have never done any ministry in England. And, um, and I've only been back once. Uh, uh, yeah, I've only been back once. And so, um, never done any ministry. And so I got this, I got this thought and this word and, and uh, I a couple of weeks later, I was in a meeting, and there were two pastors from England. And so I thought, oh, this is the moment. <laughs> and God's going to make this happen. And the guy ignored me. So I just, I just, in my spirit, I just began to, I saw England. I saw Wales. I just began to pray into it. And I just, I saw myself one day going to that nation. Just, I don't know how I did. I had one friend that I'd lost contact with 25 years ago. Have not even talked to them. We're Facebook friends. That's it. Like, you don't even talk to people on Facebook. Most, you know, maybe a happy birthday, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I haven't even talked to them. But I, the Lord said, prepare. So I literally, I said to my wife, we're going to go to the UK and Wales. Going to pray. Going to believe. My mom lives there now. Lives, lives back there. And so I'm, I'm, pr I'm praying into that. I'm believing it. It's already in here. I've conceived it in my spirit. The manifestation's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. And so last year in February, I had two cancellations. And I'm booked literally till 20, I'm, I'm already booking into 2021. So I was booked all of last year. And, but I had these two weeks cancellation. I said, it's in February. Let's go to Florida for a week. Get out of this cold weather. And um, thank you for inviting me in cold weather. I appreciate that. So, um, so out of the blue, my friend from England that I haven't talked to in 25 years texts me and says, do you have any time in February to come to the UK. I said, I have one week. Here it is. He said, give me a few days. 
couple days later, I get a call from the past, uh, for an email from a pastor in Wales. Gary, this, this is going to work perfect. We'd love to have you come. Uh, bring your wife. Uh, we'll, we'll do this thing. So I said to my wife, look, we got another week. Instead of going to Florida, let's go to Wales. We'll, let's go to England. We'll do a couple days in London, have a bit of vacation, and then we'll go see my mom, and then we'll go do Wales. And she says, okay. So it turns out that, uh, so I said to my friend, I said, hey, why don't I come to your church and just preach, and we'll hang out. He goes, well, actually, I'm going over to another country. And so he said, come with me on that country. So in this particular trip, we ministered in uh, Scotland, we, we went to the UK, and then we ministered in Wales, England and the Wales. And this year, now I'm going back again to Wales, 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 Wales. I'm teaching in a Bible college in Wales. Listen, what are you perceiving? What, what do you need clarity on in your spirit? What do you need God to just kind of Oh, begin to show you something so it conceives in your spirit so you can walk into this next year with such clarity that you're not going to get off track. You're not going to move. Listen, last thing, number five, is the Bible says fix your eyes. You've got to fix your eyes. Jesus said this, or Paul said this in, in uh, Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. This idea of fix means to turn your eyes away from other things and fix them on something, on Jesus. Make Him your preoccupation. Make Him the object of your affection. Hunger to know Him. Come on, He's a beautiful Savior. Amen? All right, I've gone over my time. Would you close your eyes just for a second? I want everybody to close your eyes just for a second. Listen to this scripture. I'm going to read it to you. And as I read it, this is my prayer for you. This is what I, I'm praying that God would do this morning in your heart. It says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of Him, that you would know Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. See, church, God wants to bring clarity. He wants to bring understanding. He wants to... You didn't know the revelation of the hope of his calling, the wealth of the God, God's glorious inheritances, that you would continually experience the greatness of his power made available through faith. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 